Welcome to I Hate Sand, a Star Wars podcast. I'm Taylor. I'm Aaron. I'm Reagan. We're just three lifelong friends sitting around a table talking about hot Star Wars topics. We recognize that Star Wars means a lot of different things for a lot of different people, and we may disagree on the specificities, but at the end of the day, we all love Star Wars. Let's dive right in. All right, boys, let's talk about one of the most divisive Star Wars movies to date. The Last Jedi. I feel confident saying it is the most divisive mm-hmm. of all Star Wars movies. Absolutely. That's all we got to say. See you <laughs> next time. All right, I'm going to put my cards on the table, and I know I'm going to get a bunch of hate and comments and stuff, but... Well, hey, you might also change people's minds because you've changed my mind on this movie a little bit. Well, least. that's good. That's good to know. Yeah. I should watch it again. Reagan, why don't you start this shit storm? Yeah. <laughs> I am a defender of The Last Jedi. Now, let me preface that by saying I do not think it is the best Star Wars movie. It is not my favorite Star Wars movie, um, nor do I by any means find it a faultless Star Wars movie. I just don't think it deserves the hate that it got for a few reasons. So in our episode on um, The Rise of Skywalker, I say that it doesn't take enough risks. Uh, it's, It's a very, very safe movie. I respect Ryan Johnson so much for taking the kinds of risks that he took. Now, did all of them land? No. Uh, Leia's Mary Poppins scene is is pretty weird and it doesn't make it doesn't make a ton of sense, but I will defend it. In some ways, but I'll return to that in a second. I'm Mary Poppins, bitch. <laughs> uh, Canto Bright is pretty useless for the story. Like, they spend too much time there. Yeah, I, think- I mean, I thought having a casino in Star Wars would be pretty cool. And then just I think- the placing of it was not right. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it's a pacing issue. It, it feels awkward in the, like, where it is in the story. Yeah. For sure. But, like, the... The whole scene itself is really cool. And I personally... It does look really cool. I personally like what Ryan Johnson was trying to do by showing through that whole scene that, one, there's a big wealth disparity in the galaxy um, and also that the resistance is not as pure as we're kind of led to believe. Like, I like those kind of graying of line, the blurring of the lines. Yeah. Yeah, it between makes it feel more evil. realistic. There, there's so much like humanity to that that I really personally appreciated. Now, was it executed perfectly? By no means, but it, that that's a risk itself and one that I personally really respected. But the the biggest thing to me that makes this a compelling film is Ray and Kylo's relationship. The way that Ryan Johnson wrote all of that is amazing to me. This is the movie that really made me invested in both Ray and Kylo. I, I love the way they were introduced by JJ in episode seven, but episode eight is what really cemented them as like solid, iconic Star Wars characters to me. I agree. There's a lot of character development there. Yeah. And the like force connection is really yep. interesting. It's something that we have, we had not really seen before. Right. So let me address one of the complaints that everyone's pretty quick to throw around, and that is that Luke Skywalker is trashed as a character through this. That is one of my, like, That's major one of my arguments. Not my main argument against the movie, but... 
Look, I yes, I mean, I think it's it's pretty crazy. Mark Hamill himself infamously has said that he completely disagreed with Ryan Johnson's decision, but went with it anyways because he's a good actor. Yeah, but he's a liberal boomer, so who cares what he thinks? <laughs> <laughs> the so what the reason I don't hate that so much, or uh, I guess why I don't blame Ryan Johnson so much, is because JJ put that in place. Like, where, what else was Ryan Johnson supposed to do? So let's think about the plot of Episode 7 for a second. We know that Luke Skywalker is missing, and the whole plot of Episode 7 revolves around the fact that they're trying to find this missing piece of the map to Luke Skywalker because he has gone into isolation, somehow left a map for himself, or for some reason has given people, like, fragments of a way to find <laughs> yeah, that him. Was, that was always And weird. one guy has the missing piece to it. <laughs> Right. And like that can get them to him. And the very last scene is him alone on this island and her handing him his lightsaber and he just looking at it. Like that was JJ Abrams. That wasn't Ryan Johnson. We're already set up to believe that he's a, a hermit because he's a hermit. Because the first or the, the the very first introduction we have of him in the sequel trilogy is him alone. On an island. Yeah, I mean, I never That is not that. Ryan Johnson's fault. Now, right. making him an angry hermit is his fault, sure. <laughs> but, I, like, that just didn't bother me that much. He could have taken him out of the hermit thing I know. entirely. He, he could have. He could have. I mean, I do wish... It, uh, it's a, it's a, a dual-sided thing, because one, on one hand, I really wish he had actually left the island and come to Crate and fought Kylo one-on-one. Yeah. On the other hand, force projection like that is pretty cool. <laughs> that was, cool a, force that was a really cool thing. It's just not cool how he just like dies for no reason after doing it. Yep. Yeah. That's one thing. I'm That's fair. Cool but, but I will say the poetic imagery of him dying with the dual sunset. <laughs> Is so like that's so yeah, it's cool. That's such a poetic thing because Tatooine his, his whole he grew right up there. Yeah. Well, I mean, the moment of Episode Four when he is gazing off at the double mm. sunset, Iconic, yeah, is I mean, that's the moment when he decides, I'm this. My life is not here anymore. Right. This, I am now embarking on this. Yeah. It's too bad that he died. I I think his arc was shit. It, no, I don't think it was shit. I don't. I think that uh, it was. It didn't live into its full potential, which is the story of the entire sequel trilogy. Yeah, that's true. As a Luke fanboy, it bothers me a lot, though. Yeah, because like sure. knowing how in the like, I mean, this is this is Disney's fault because knowing how in the expanded universe, which is now yeah. Legends, he becomes like this just fucking awesome Jedi, and he has right. like a lot of stuff he goes through to get there. Um, and then seeing how he ends in episode eight, I'm just like, really, this is what we gave yeah, think, up. Think for- about the people who would watch the movie back in the seventies and eighties. And then we get to see him for the first time in 40 years. This character, this most iconic, the most iconic TV character, movie character. Anyone knows who Luke Skywalker is and he's a fucking hermit. Yeah. Again, Shit happens, JJ man. did that. Not Ryan. Sometimes you just gotta sequester yourself on an island and squeeze some blue milk out of some aliens. Like I, I think some milk I, alien titties. Like the fact that he was trying to raise a family member, a close family member, his nephew, and it went poorly. Who? And he, Luke Kylo. was training. Luke Kylo. was training Kylo. Gotcha. 
Which is and, a big responsibility to train someone who's like has as much force power, right? As Kylo did, and you know, is that close to him? Not just biologically, but you know, relationally and, right. and emotionally, to to see the potential for him to go down the path that his own father went, um, that cost the life of his own mother, right? That cost the life of Padme, and cost the life of so many. Uh, ben Kenobi, his first real mentor. I mean that, like, yeah, that would jade you a lot in that. I don't I don't think that was a terrible decision by Ryan Johnson. I understand most people's complaint about it. I really do. I, I, I feel it. But I I just respect the risk that I respect that he was trying to do something different since episode seven was just the same thing we've already had mm-hmm. since nineteen seventy seven. Yeah. In the Rise of Skywalker episode we talk about how Star Wars just lets the characters keep living. Um, in this movie, in The Last Jedi, it seems to be the same situation because Leia gets blown out of the bridge of a ship into space mm-hmm. and it's just like, oh, cool. Back in the I'm going to get back in here and I'm going to open the door and somehow the vacuum of space is not going to pull everyone else out of this ship. <laughs> and why didn't she like explosively decompress or any of the things yeah. we hear are supposed to happen to people when, when they get launched this space. Yeah. And all fair. All all a fair criticism seems like a big oversight. The one thing that I I remember sitting in the theater watching this and and thinking this when that happened. First I thought this is kind of strange space she should be very very dead, but at the same time we've known since at least Empire Strikes Back that she is force sensitive. I mean, she's a Skywalker. Come on. She's the daughter of Anakin Skywalker. Well, that's not the part that I have an issue with. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, no, I mean, the thing is, so a lot of people are like, how could she just survive this? Well, it's because the Force. I mean, that's why. So we've known that she's Force sensitive. Like at the very end of uh, Empire Strikes Back, the reason Luke is saved is because the Force tells mm-hmm. her where he is. And they circle back. And they have a bond. And they get him. Too. Right. So they can like, you know, the sibling bond. So this is this is the first time that the Force actively does something for Leia, which I thought was really cool. Now, the way that it's done and the logistics and the logic of it all is very, very shoddy, but that I thought was at least cool. Like, I, I, just, I see I what... I think that's a weird way to make the oh, force it's very all of a strange because like that's not the way like we normally think of the force the force is yeah. just like an energy field that permeates everything and it's made up of like it's like the amount of midichlorians that you have is an indicator of your force sensitivity and all this stuff so why is the force all of a sudden an agent akin to like a, a deity yeah um and but I, I think it is cool for Leia to manifest her force powers. But I think the way it should have happened is instead of like getting blown out into space and then like eating back in the ship, she should have like been able to like shield the bridge or something. Yeah. With like, I, I mean, I agree. That would have been much cooler. There, there were much more sense. logical, you know, there, there are a lot of things that fit within the, the lore yeah. of Star Wars that we've been given, but I don't know. I'm just a little kinder to Ryan Johnson. If they had just gone through with Leia dying, it would have saved the world a lot of awkwardness in Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sure, yeah. but but they didn't know that they she didn't was know. This, this is another That's chance fine. in which hindsight is twenty twenty. Like, yeah. Carrie Fisher had not passed away right. by that point, right. so I don't think we can really blame him on that scale. 
Come on, he should have known. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't predict the future. Are you kidding? So, the the thing I want to say about like most about the Last Jedi and the main criticism I have of it is that it feels really boring in the way that the plot goes. Yeah, because it feels like a car chase, but a really slow one. A really also, yeah. the Last Jedi takes place in the course of like twenty four hours. Yeah. yeah, which is weird. Um, and one, I used to criticize the whole like, side mission thing with Finn and Rose, but it is true that it, it's not pointless. As people, like a lot of people were saying, it was just like a complete waste of space and time. Um, and just speaking like, strictly about the plot, it does actually bring that shady dude to their yep. um, to them, and DJ. then he's yeah DJ, and he's the one that gives the first order the ability to track cloaked ships. Yep. And if that hadn't happened, then the final confrontation on crate wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. So it is a necessary plot element or it would have had to happen some other way that they would, you know, I found that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So it feels kind of weird that it's just like a, a long chase scene and we all of a sudden have new things like hyperspace fuel, which <laughs> is not something that's ever talked about. Um, mm-hmm. And the, while it, it looks incredibly striking when she flies that, um, <laughs> that Mon Calamari cruiser through those Star Destroyers. It doesn't fit. It doesn't make sense in yeah. Star Wars's own universe where in, when you're in hyperspace, you're supposed to be in like an, a slight, like a different dimension. Yeah, you're jumping dimensions, where basically. Where you, you can't like interact with other ships that are not in hyperspace. Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's a way he could have explained it to where that did work. Yeah. And it... You know, but it didn't all, happen. It's also weird because it's Star Wars. The Star Wars universe is not consistent in the way it treats its like physics, which you know it's That's science fiction or science fantasy, whatever you want to call it. Um, but in like a lot of the books, which are not canon anymore, um, they would the one of the reasons that they wouldn't do like micro hyperspace jumps or like un un like charted jumps is because they were worried about flying through a star or an asteroid or something, mm-hmm. um, which actually contradicts the idea that they're in a different dimension. Um, so it, I think it could be argued either way, um, yeah. whether or not it can collide with things. It looks fucking base though. Um, but yeah, then like, why does it, if you're going to make a chase scene, at least make it like more it, interesting. I mean, yeah, yeah. It definitely could have been more exciting. They're just like following them. I, but I just, the whole movie. I mean, I've watched this movie half a dozen times probably, mm-hmm. and I've never felt bored during it. Yeah, I know a lot of so people cool. have, yeah. and you know, I mean, everyone, like I said, everyone's I different. Everyone approaches Star Wars very differently. Yeah. Like we've we've watched Gallery together, the the Mandalorian docu series on Disney Plus, and that's one thing that Dave Filoni has said a few times, and John Favreau both have said that I really, you know, I really respect is that Star Wars is different for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone loves Star Wars, but everyone disagrees on the specificities of mm-hmm. how Star Wars is portrayed, and I think. The Last Jedi just gets a lot of really unfair criticism over specificities that is just unwarranted and really just abusive and unfair. I could see that. I do want to like say your point about the Canto Bright scene, like pointing out inequalities in Star Wars, and like like um, you see these people who are basically slaves and living in poverty, and then these yeah. other people who are just like have mo- way more money than they know what to do with. There's gambling in a way at a casino yeah. is pretty cool. 
um, because it, it's not a thing that's really like talked about a lot in the Star Wars universe. Socioeconomic status is never something that comes up in yeah. Star Wars, and it was really cool for it to come up. Now, I understand that there are people online who just want to call it, you know, liberal woke fest <laughs> and use that as some kind of like criticism against it's it. More but like a leftist thing, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> but like, look, this is reality. Like socioeconomics. Yeah. Regardless of what you think should be done about it or whether you do think something should be done about it, it's, it should be part of the conversation. It's a reality. Yeah. In our, in our time, like it's something to be considered and it is, it was cool. It added a humanity and I don't want to say relevancy, but a, like almost a contextualization Uh that I thought was really cool to add a risk for sure. in in something yeah, that I respect new. Ryan Johnson for. We were talking about um, characters that don't die. Um, let's talk about how Finn should have died in this movie. Yes. Um, right. We are all in agreement that Finn's sacrifice against the... Yeah, whatever the you want. The Death Star w- battering ram. Yeah, the, the Death Star cannon <laughs> thing. Like, would have been a really noble and... Meaningful. Meaningful and interesting. Yeah. It would have given a lot of weight to the character that doesn't add a whole lot. (laughs) Yeah. That like really should have done more. Who who had been very underutilized at that point. For sure. Um, I, uh, you know, again, I understand the message as cheesy as it is that love wins over hate. That's how we're going to win. Not fighting what we hate. Saving what we love. Or whatever. It's not true though. I mean, look, (laughs) I, th- I do think there's truth to it. I just, I think the way that it was done was subpar for sure. If we want to talk about woke liberal shit, <laughs> that's Rose's character. The That part actually kind of made me laugh in the theater because there was this huge fucking cannon, right? And it's about to blast this thing down and she knocks him out of the way and she's like, we don't beat them with hate. We're going to beat them with love. And then right after she says that, the cannon fires and just like obliterates their doors. <laughs> yes. And it's just like... See how well that worked out for you, like, didn't I, it? I don't know what you... What are you talking about? But, I mean, so the sentiment isn't like new. I mean, at the very end of episode six, Palpatine says, give in to your hate. And what does Luke do? Does he give in to his hate and then strike him down? No, he, he turns off his lightsaber. He powers it down and says, no, I'm not going to do that. That's true. But that was better delivery than what she Absolutely. said. Absolutely. <laughs> that also doesn't mean that he was that it was love winning over hate. He just didn't let the emperor sure. goad him into it's I think one of the major messages of of Star Wars is that hate is the wrong answer. Hate leads to the dark side, right? Mm-hmm. Hate leads to something that we do not want to teach children. Because right. again, like as Dave Filoni right, has said many times, and George Lucas children. has said, like this is Star Wars is a universe for children mm-hmm. and adult children like us. I mean, it's <laughs> it's something that is trying to teach lessons through very creative storytelling. Yeah, and Ryan Johnson was trying to play a part of that. Now, it's pretty cringy, hundred <laughs> percent. It's it's a big cringe, but like I yeah. think the message that he's trying to get when we just look at it as what he's trying to do, it's not wrong. Can we talk about um, some useless characters in The Last Jedi? Uh, Like uh, Haldo? Well, she does destroy the First Order super She saves their life. 
I mean, she saves lives. Okay, let's talk about everything before she saves <laughs> lives. <laughs> All right, I can't really yeah. call her useless the, if she does actually do something very important. The stra- I think the better way to frame her character is her poor leadership. Um, yeah, fa- complete breakdown of communication. It was a strategic failure for her not to just explain to Poe yeah. what's going on. You know, I mean, that would have, that just would have made a lot more sense than the yeah. mutiny <laughs> that Yeah, that all of that could have been avoided. Yeah. That transitions to um, my thought about Poe's character in this movie and how reckless he is. Yeah. Because in the first, in episode seven, we get him as more of like a leadership role and a yeah. very established character. And then in episode eight, he's just like, well, why are we retreating? We should just fuck these guys up right now. And they're like, don't do that, Poe. And then he does it. And then he loses the whole fleet because of his decisions. And that doesn't seem like the Poe that we had in episode seven. Yeah, so what yeah, accounts for that change? I think it's the, for one, the fact that I mean, they had pretty high casualties at the very beginning, right? So the film opens with a with a fight. Yeah. Um, and they have some casualties. And, I mean, none of us have been, you know, soldiers. No. None of us have fought wars. But I would imagine that experiencing something like that will elicit a kind of emotional reaction to that nature. Yeah, I could see that. And he would feel maybe like he really, like, for one thing, what they're doing isn't working. Mm-hmm. And for a second thing, he feels the need to strike back. Yeah. Last thing I want to talk about is how Star Wars underuses the villains in, like, all of the movies. If you go back to, like, episode one, we get Darth Maul for one movie, who later comes back, but not in the live action films. In extra canonical. Yeah. Kind episode of. two, we get Jango Fett, who dies. In the, in the first movie, but his face is on all the clones, and <laughs> he's like he the biggest daddy in the galaxy. Episode three, we get General Grievous, who comes back in the animated show later, but in terms of live action, dies in the first movie he's in. And now let's talk about the Last Jedi, where we get Phasma and Snoke. Yep. I mean, we had like a glimpse of Snoke and who he was. In Same with Phasma. Seven. And Phasma. But, but they felt disappointing, yes. even in 7. Yeah. And then in 8, Phasma specifically, like, the only, like, really significant part is when she fights Finn. Mm-hmm. Which she loses. Which she loses. <laughs> and you would expect the lady who's, like, training all the stormtroopers and is, like, badass and has cr- the chromium armor that yeah. deflects blaster bolts. Like, you would expect her to win that fight. I'm just mm-hmm. saying. Yeah. Um, but you know, again, Star Wars is geared towards children. Maybe it's the message that, you know, good triumphs over evil. They don't want the baddie, um, to like actually do anything. Cause then kids will be like, Oh, she's so cool. I want to be like her. I wish she had done more. Yeah. You know, I I mean, that's, that's the main thing I want to say. I wish she had done something like instrumental. It's it's just very strange that one, she was marketed pretty early. like we talked earlier in an episode i think our very first episode about how the collector's cup of cinemark theaters had her on it had her yeah it was it was like a one of those things you I turn a, you see different images and I it was phasma post, i had a poster and phasma was like the main person on that poster right but she's so like 
I think we can say pretty insignificant to the plot of the sequel trilogy. Absolutely. She, she does very, very little. Um, which it, it's just confusing more than anything to me. Like she was just marketed because she was the first all Chrome stormtrooper, I guess. But and that's shiny. A, a, Game of, <laughs> Ooh, she, shiny. She played Brianna Tarth in Game of Thrones. Yeah. So yeah. putting her face on a lot of Star but Wars it, stuff like, gets even more. The only thing we see of her is her eye. But I'm really interested in the conversation about Snoke, especially. Yeah. Um, we already talked about Plagueis. Yeah, yeah, we talked about how Snoke should be should be Plagueis. But, but, but what about him dying like a little bitch? Yeah. Yeah. So this is... Well, I thought it was kind of epic. I well, did too. The first time I saw it, I was like, oh, yeah. fuck The yeah. way it happens yeah. is really cool. It was, But the fact that it does happen yeah. is a little weird to me. When you think about it, it's weird. Because, so, like, the whole, like, mind games thing with, like, him trying to read Kylo's mind, and then he's, like, he thinks she's going for Rey, but really he's going for the lightsaber that's next to him. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. That's, like, a game of misdirection. Bro, you forget he's a puppet of a clone. <laughs> of he's course a clone he would overlook it. <laughs> yeah, I mean... We didn't know that yet. So going back to the point that's already been made, that a, a major message of of Star Wars is that Hate is the wrong way to go. Like hate leads down to nothing but darkness and, hate and leads defeat. To suffering. <laughs> <laughs> and that I mean a lot of ways pride is one's own downfall. Yeah. And that is particularly true of Snoke. That it is that's his hate true. and his pride that brings him down. And that's a message that's like timeless. Like you look Yeah, at it's it. all over the place. I yeah. mean it's hubris mm-hmm. is a fatal flaw of many heroes and villains. Right. It's it's not unique to Star Wars, but Star Wars has certainly capitalized on yeah, that through, should, the, yeah. through the decades. And I think it's a great message, and I, I really respected the way that it was done in The Last Jedi, mostly because it's just the most beautiful scene in the entire movie. Now, I've I've seen the criticisms on the choreography. I, that's just a specificity thing. Like, if you really hate the movie because of the choreography, <laughs> what are you doing calling yourself a Star Wars fan? Come on, like... <laughs> Really? We're not dance <laughs> majors here. Like, right. <laughs> the Praetorian Guard scene overall is one of my favorite scenes. We had never really seen like a light side and a dark side character come together and yeah, work yeah, together to fight a force. With I mean both with lightsabers, yeah. yeah. And just the way that that combat is done is Especially contrasted to the lightsaber fight from episode seven. Right. Which is a very different style of lightsaber fighting than we see anywhere else. Yep. It's like, I'm going to whack this as hard at you as I can. (laughs) (laughs) That's basically it. Yeah. To this day, one of my favorite things, jumping back to episode seven, is the moment where, like, they're, like, fighting over the lightsaber and then, like, it goes, like, past Finn and Ray grabs it. Yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's kind of cheesy. But it's like, to me, it's such a powerful it moment. It was such an exciting moment. It's just so fucking based, man. And she lights that shit up and, and they just like start going after each other. It's awesome. You know, taking a character who's never held a lightsaber f- before and somehow besting Kylo Ren makes total sense. <laughs> you don't know how the force works. <laughs> no one does. Hey, remember he got shot by a bowcaster? <laughs> that is their argument, yes. Yep. All that said, I... I don't think The Last Jedi is the worst thing in Star Wars. Yeah, it's you've made, sad me, to made me, me come around on that. Rebels is definitely the worst. Rebels is the worst. We'll have to have an episode on that for sure. 
I'll have After to binge watch, watch it. it. <laughs> I'll binge watch the whole thing. All right. Well, that's about all the time we have for this episode. Thank you for listening in. Uh, please give us a follow. Please give us a like. Please subscribe. And uh, we'll see you next time. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at I Hate Sand Podcast. Please give us a like. Please give us a follow. We would love to know what you think about these episodes.